Hey, this is the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast. Please check out my stand-up dates at thecaseymcclain.com. Also, follow me on all social media at thecaseymcclain. Check out stand-up clips and videos of mine at youtube.com slash McLean. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is where I host this podcast. It's where the file sits. It's also a great place if you want to start a podcast where you can record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When you're hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast to all the listening platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Whatever you're listening to this podcast on, you can get your podcast to that platform very easily. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello and welcome to No McLean. Uh, this is your host, Casey McLean. Today's guest on the podcast is Dan Zimborski. Uh, Dan Zimborski writes for Fangraphs. He's written all over the place. He is one of the foremost sabermetricians in baseball. I'm a big fan of sabermetrics. Uh, don't let that turn you off, though, because this is not a podcast where we focus heavily on statistics because I think Dan's one of the funniest baseball writers around, especially online. He is he's so funny. So follow him on Twitter at, I think it's D Zimborski. Uh, check out his writing at Fangraphs.com. And please enjoy what is like 45 minutes of very funny conversation, in my opinion, followed by... We get into the baseball a little bit. It is opening day uh, tomorrow if you're listening to this as it comes out. So, for God's sakes, we got to talk about a little bit of baseball. However, we don't focus on the nitty-gritty of sabermetrics very much. If you want to see me do stand-up comedy live, and I hope you do, please, for Christ's sakes, come see me do stand-up comedy live. I had a, my next week's episode is with Gabriel Rutledge. We recorded it in our hotel room we were sharing in Boise, Idaho. We had to share a hotel room because the amount of tickets we sold, it was pretty uh, financially irresponsible to get two hotel rooms. So uh, I'm in Oklahoma City. If you live near the area, I'm with a great comic named Paul Verzi. Come check us out. Uh, it's gonna be. It's my first time in Oklahoma City. I got a couple Sonics jokes chambered. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how they do. They could bomb pretty considerably. By the way, not going to make an Oklahoma City bombing joke. I will not. That's not my that's not my lane to make Oklahoma City bombing jokes. Um although if I do very poorly on stage, I guess I suppose that is an Oklahoma City bombing. All right, that's the only one I'm going to make. It's a tragic event. I don't need to make jokes about it. Please enjoy. Oh, go to thecasymcclain.com uh slash calendar for any future stand-up dates. I'll be at Tacoma Comedy Club the weekend after next. And then uh, Gabe Rutledge and I were trying our hands at uh, succeeding in a door deal again at the Chalet Theater in Enumclaw, Washington on May 1st. So please check that out if you live out there. Uh, thank you for listening to this podcast. Follow me on all social media at the Casey McLean. And now please enjoy Dan Zimborski obligation to do a video but it is an option if you would like to i don't know yeah my, my camera's acting kind of flaky so i haven't used it in a bit all right all right now i don't even know if it's really you now i'm uh no no one could imitate me i'm too weird 
How are you doing? Did you realize that it's been the last time we podcasted together? It was not only pre-pandemic; it was like October of 2019. Yeah, it, October 2019 seems a long way uh, ago. I remember I was trying to remember who won the World Series in 2019. I was like, who won after the Nationals? I'm like, oh, it was the Nationals. It's just <laughs> that this has been the slowest year that ever existed in the world. It's it's simultaneously, it's got the same two, two I think, competing effects. One is that everything feels like it was a million years ago, and also nothing's happened in between, so it's hard to even <laughs> measure that time, right? See, I'm used to being you know around the house a lot. But I'm not used to the world all being around their houses too. <laughs> I can't live vicariously through through people who make more of an effort. True. That's uh that's actually my my question. My wonder is because you seem maybe I don't know if introverted as a personality, but as a lifestyle, right? I think you seem yeah, like I'm, real Yeah, I'm fairly introverted. Um I you know professionally I kind of play an extrovert for the purpose of I guess I guess I guess I mean I'm not shy or anything, but I just like to do stuff on my own. Yeah, that's that's the way that I've. Uh, I think I. Yeah, I don't think you're introverted. Like you're lacking confidence. There's probably many reasons for introversion. Um, but yeah, you're. Uh, oh boy, uh -oh. The, the, the boy, that especially was... without video now. It's a, did someone break into your house to murder? No, that was that was a cat. <laughs> he knocked over something. I don't know what what he knocked over, but I'll. I'm not going to worry about it since it wasn't like glass breaking. All right. Just so you know, I'm recording. This is already part of the hot, hot podcast that we're doing. <laughs> That's fine. I don't say anything. I'm not uh, Mr. Mr. Tom Brenneman. <laughs> <laughs> I did. A, yeah, we, we had to edit out about 45 <laughs> racial slurs before, but um, are you TLM 103 still? Is that the microphone you're using? 102, 103, the Neumann? Well, at the moment, I just have my my. Uh, I've been doing some rewiring, so I actually just have my old Blue Yeti out. Oh, okay, it sounds great. You were uh, the last time. I was so blown away at how good you sounded, and you still sound great. I just uh, the do you use that for streaming? Is that the specific purpose? Uh, well, this is just kind of this the one I had before, but I kind of had wires because I've done a lot of upgrades recently on my on my computer. Okay. And my wiring tends to be kind of messy because I have like four computers here in my office. Yeah. Uh, and one thing I found while assembling uh, 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 kind of a new build is I had a lot of like USB and SATA cables that weren't connected to anything on either side. They were just kind of loose <laughs> within the within the the mess of wires, just just hanging out there. So it's it's I'm a, I'm a sloppy person, I guess. Uh, every time I do that, every time I incorporate a new piece of equipment into my, like, it's generous to call it a workflow, by the way. I say workflow because it sounds it sounds nicer, but every time I incorporate a new piece of equipment, I'm like, I'm going to take, I'm going to, I'm going to take everything off the desk and we're going to start from scratch and I'm going to have uh, zip ties and those Velcro straps and the wires are all going to run together. And then I get about three devices in and I'm like, Fuck this. I'm putting everything on. I'm shoving it all on. We'll push all the wires to the back of the desk. And then I'm in the same boat as you where I have like uh, a bunch of stuff like wires running behind the monitor that I'm sure aren't connected on both sides. Many of them. Yeah. The, the cable management in my current build isn't great. It's OK, uh, because this case has a magical cable hiding bar 
So after you stuff everything in, you put the bar over and it looks like everything's okay. So it's like, okay, out of sight, out of mind. Do you have your other, uh, well, actually, you might be the kind of person, do you have a TV? I assume you have a TV. Yeah, I have a TV. How's your cable management around the TV? Uh, that's that's pretty much fine because it just goes from the wall straight down. Right. Most most things are hooked up to to my monitors. I see. The TV is really just for TV and from getting feeds from one of the laptops that's around here. I see. Yeah, that's I, I get a every now and then I'll I'll uh, post a picture that's from my living room and that's the you know how people on the internet love to just find anything to cr- criticize like you post a picture of a dog and they're looking in the background worst so, dog ever. look at that leash (laughs) no they're like you post a picture of a dog and they're like oh you gotta mow your lawn or oh your uh, windows suck or something they find something in the background to uh so now i just never want to post a picture of anything in my life again yeah well you know you know how the internet is (laughs) yeah so uh this is the first or this has to be for you it's like um well first of all how much how much more gaming are you doing did you do more gaming this year or did you do less or did like the how did the talent pool of gamers change this year? I don't know. It seemed to be about the same uh, because I tend to play. I don't know. I don't want to make it sound like I'm a hardcore game player who only plays against leak folks. Uh, but I, I mean, I, you know, there's not usually a lot of casuals playing like Escape from Tarkov. I guess there's a lot of casuals playing Hearthstone, but I haven't really noticed any difference in quality i mean my gaming time is probably about the same because i've been in a gaming pattern for 40 years mm-hmm. uh since i got an atari 2600 when i was two i believe or was it three somewhere around there i got an atari 2600 and so i mean since i work from home and i pretty much always work from home i i have the ability to uh you know to game when i when it pleases me hopefully around my work i'm not i'm not playing anything now sometimes i have done some like mindless mmo stuff while doing radio sure uh like i did a couple months ago i did mlb network while i was grinding out mining in final fantasy 14 <laughs> they didn't know i'm, I'm sitting there like mining like adamantium ore like with my little character it's like, ding, ding, ding. That's uh, very funny scott because the way i am is I guess one of the reasons I don't like, you know, I like to be on my own is I can kind of control the amount of st- stimulus into me because I have I have kind of issues sometimes in crowds where I can kind of hear every conversation and pay attention to every conversation and it gets a little overloaded in my brain and I and I, it just gets very tiring, which is why I love being in the press box because the press box is fairly quiet. Yes, that's uh, I have that. I call it a. Uh... There's probably like a really good definition for it, but I call it like uh, audible ADD, where it's like if there's too many sources of sound. Um, I also, by the by the way, believe this is like a symptom of being on the autism spectrum. But uh, when there's too many sources of sound, I just like it becomes kind of overwhelming. And no, I, I, no, I understand. It's because you. I think it's because you're supposed to be able to block out things that are irrelevant. Yes, and just the way my brain works, it doesn't really block out things that are irrelevant. So yeah. I can I can get distracted like in person to person conversations pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. My girlfriend's always annoyed by that because I'll like she'll be talking to me about something important and I'll notice like someone's hat or something that someone else said like across the room that I can hear, and she's like, "Dan, you're not even paying attention." I'm like, I- "I'm trying to, but yeah. you need to you need to get to the you need to get cut to the chase a little bit here." And my my attention is tends to waver. <laughs> 
that's a, I was actually it was nice this year because there were a bunch of uh, supportive articles of video games. I, so I spent like three years with my wife not playing any video games at all, just like being uh, productive and all that stuff. And then this year, I bought a PS4 a couple of years ago, and I uh, this year has been particularly gaming heavy for me. And then I saw this article very early on that said that gaming is a good like non-narcotic treatment for anxiety. And um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the year 2020, but there were a lot of reasons to be anxious in 2020. <laughs> and so I, I have the, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars have won about nine Super Bowls for me in just like mindless offline franchise Madden play. And it's like, as opposed, instead of drinking like a couple beers to finish out my day or whatever other, uh, intoxicants people may take in or or anti-anxiety medication i'll play like an hour or two of offline madden franchise instead and uh this has been the year i can really i'm like this is medicine baby oh no people uh i've i've played madden for a long time uh before madden returned to the pc i was actually one of those people that I actually i actually created entire playbooks and i used kind of a, a hacking tool to make larger playbooks than the ones that Madden 8 were allowed. I have a giant spreadsheet with all the formations in Madden 8 with the measurements of where each receiver stands. Uh, so, see, anything I do, I tend to make very, very nerdy. Uh, like, when I play Madden or, or NBA 2K, um, I keep track uh, with... I keep track of all the data that I play versus the computer because I have to adjust the sliders so that i win a certain amount of the time i try to target 53 percent of the time i try to win mm-hmm. and like for madden i'm like tracking like my rush my my yards per rush my quarterback rating my uh adjusted yards per attempt and things because i'm trying to calibrate the sliders yeah. so that it, it approximates a real life distribution of you know, ability but i win like you know just over half the time it just feels wrong if it's a coin flip but if i can win 53 percent of the time that's the good number for me yeah i'm very obsessed in madden with like i mean eventually my quarterback is gonna break the passing yards and touchdowns record in a season it's gonna happen but i don't want it to happen every season you know what i mean yeah it's like like home runs home runs are more fun when there's when they're not easy Yes, exactly, exactly. I want some, and I also want those numbers to be hallowed a little bit. Like I care about those numbers in real life, and so I don't want to just, I don't want to throw for sixty five hundred yards and seventy five touchdowns. Like that's that. I want to feel like I'm part of the simulation of a real football season. You know. Yeah, for a sim, you want to I mean like for Tecmo Super Bowl, it doesn't doesn't matter quite as much. I remember uh, one year, uh, my friend Bill and I, we played the entire schedule of Tecmo Super Bowl on NES. Wow. By the way, if you rush for like five yards per carry in uh, Tecmo Super Bowl, I think you have to go 0-16. There's no way. <laughs> there's no way you can, you, or you score once a game. I like That's like a 12 yards a carry game. I, I love the uh, the cadence that, that they would do in Tecmo Super Bowl because... It was a very non-English voice going, ready, down, hoot, 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 hoot. And I'm not trying to do a like a racist imitation or anything. That's just literally what it was in Tecmo Super Bowl. Anyone who plays it can hear that. It was just the funniest thing that that's what it was. And well, does that, always, what, 
what is the what's the race that uh, that sounds like German to me almost? Yeah, I think it was Japanese because it was techno, okay. but I'm not really sure. It was just I don't know who says hoot hoot hoot. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, I always liked because you know you you didn't have defensive plays. Mm-hmm. You would guess the the opposing team's offensive play, and you always do. And it was trouble when everybody rushes in and like that's how it. You know, you guessed right because the the the, the defense would just over flood the we yeah. just zerg rush over the offensive line <laughs> uh and 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 just you, you were dead uh well i mean football dead uh yeah. so I, I don't think i've done more video gaming as a group but and i know a lot of people have and of course with things like uh the 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 mining being big again gpus are really hard to get uh sure i i I had to kind of camp Newegg to get a, a 3080 at retail. Uh, and I, I sold my my old GPU for a super for more than I'd get in a normal time, but less than it was going for on eBay. But uh, it's it's kind of hard to game right now. So consoles make a lot more sense. I, I have a PS4 too uh, also, but I don't have a ton of games on it. I have, yeah. I have like the MLB The Show games because they're not on the PC. Uh, I have some... Um, uh, I have an HL because that wasn't on PC. I have a, I have a, a Legend of Heroes Trails of Cold Steel four, because it was released in Japan and not the United States at this point at the start of the of the pandemic, and this is like a nine game like story arc, and so I played through the Japanese version on the PS4. I don't I don't speak Japanese, but I kind of felt that if I was going to die in this pandemic. I kind of at least want to get closure on the on the storyline of the game I was playing. <laughs> so so I played through it for that and and I have I have lived through it so far. Uh, I mean I didn't get an ejection, so hopefully that takes after my second one. Uh, you, got, you got the you got a vaccine? Yeah, I got I got my Pfizer on a, a Friday. Ooh, this is gonna so, be. I got a Moderna and I can't figure out. My wife got a Pfizer and I got a Moderna and we're uh, we're now on we're in rival gangs now. <laughs> yeah, it it is kind of like that because I I was I, my mom was like giving me you no know, mom advice. Uh, she was like, Danny, you have to get the you want to get the Pfizer one. Uh, so, since my mom's like, Jewish, I, I always do the be, bad that might voice. Have been a more racist impression than the. Uh, than the See, I yeah, that probably it, it might be. Uh, but she's like, but she just she's like consistent. I'm like, I mean, like they're basically the same. She's like, you just don't want the Johnson and Johnson, and I'm just like, it's it, it's it's all it's really just fine. I'll take whatever I can get. It's not like you can sign up and. And yeah, get... that's well. I know people who are like, I don't want the I don't want the Pfizer or the Moderna because they're this new. Here's what we got: we got a lot of science, a lot of non-scientists with opinions, and then almost uniformly scientists are saying, just take whichever one you can get in your own. Yeah, it's it's that's that's the idea, and I love the conspiracy theories because the conspiracy theories don't bother me. Like the result of the conspiracy theories, like oh no, Bill James is installing an OS in your DNA. I'm like. I, I don't way, really care. You went. You, this is a very nerdy baseball uh, mistake you just made. You said Bill James and not. Bill oh Gates. God, I said <laughs> Bill Gates. Okay. I think Bill James is putting one in yours. Bill Gates, maybe in mine. But. <laughs> Bill Gates. Uh, but like, like putting an OS in your DNA for like or whatever the weird conspiracy theory is, and I'm like, I'm just thinking, I don't really care if that was the case. Yeah, it's like that doesn't scare me as a conspiracy theory because. I mean, if you're going to, like, 
run my organs on Windows Bob, I would still take it or Microsoft Bob. I would still do that just to have the vaccine. It's like, fine. Like they're going to know your blood type. Like I, I, I really don't care. They can, they can, they can know my blood type. They can know everything about me. I just yeah. want the vaccine. I think that the, there's like a little bit of, we're so upside down and out of alignment with like what this stuff that's actually like, I do think there's a part of this where you're like the next time there's a pandemic or the government knows they can shut us down. Right. Like we've, we've lost maybe some control or like some autonomy over our own lives. But the part where they're like, Hey, now we want to give it back. Please take this vaccine so you can go back to life. Does it like my game theory, the game theory in my mind does not, does not allow like both of those conspiracies to, to exist concurrently, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm naturally skeptical about, you know, government things because I'm a libertarian. I'm one of that weird snarky libertarian crew. Although I don't really, I don't really, you know, I don't really wear my politics on my sleeve at all. I, I think that's kind of the last thing that people want to read for me on Twitter. So I kind of stay out of that (laughs) hole. So for, you know, an occasional joke or something, I'll do a Photoshop, like president with his, like, stealing a plate of cookies or something but nothing that i like to stay out of that i did yes. i enough people hate me for baseball things that <laughs> that that i don't want to get into politics too that would just be a nightmare i think that's uh i have some like libertarian leaning ideas my problem i think libertarianism is a victim of its representatives do you know what yeah I mean? you see there's the there's kind of the, the the technocratic, like the reason libertarians, and then there's the weird people like in the libertarian party who have hats and have crazy people at conventions and yeah. and and wanna you know don't pay the government for taxes. I've been off the radar for forty years. Like yeah, I I I'm kind of like for you know limited government. In my life, I'm not a crazy person. That's not yes. kind of what I want. Yeah, I'm like uh, let's let's. Uh reduce military spending and uh and uh give me more like personal freedom put less people in prison nonviolent criminals in prison that's like that, but that's always the thing that everyone always does right is they take your your like you're like oh i kind of agree with a couple libertarian things and they're like oh so you think everyone should be walking around with banana clips and ak's <laughs> Every child should go to school with a banana clip and an AK. And I'm like, no, I didn't say that. That's not even <laughs> like that's the least generous depiction of what uh, of we we always do that though. We're like my I remember when I was my dad's a conservative, my mom's a liberal, which is uh, why I've pro- kind of have the same inclination to to really weigh in in any serious way on politics. But I I remember I asked my dad I was when I was growing up I was like, what's a liberal? And he goes, this is what a liberal is. The liberals want. Everybody to have it's like if I was like brushing my teeth when I asked him this question and he goes, see, you're brushing your teeth and you're using Colgate. And what the liberals want is for everyone to have Colgate. So not only does everyone have Colgate, but everyone has to have Colgate specifically, even if they don't like Colgate. And I was like, okay, like in my mind, I was like, that seems like they're really uh, they're really obsessed with toothpaste. That seems unrealistic. Um, But then like. He he's just giving like he doesn't like what they stand for, so he's giving them the worst possible definition. Yeah, that he people could, right? people are always uncharitable to their 
I won't say enemies, but they're ideological rivals. People yes. have the will find the least charitable way to explain everything. Uh, I grew up in kind of a weird household. Uh, the way I mean, it, it had benefits and it probably had some drawbacks. Uh, I had a very kind of a free family in a way that I was encouraged. If I had a question, I was encouraged to explore it myself and read. And do things like I like when I was four, I asked my grandfather, you know, what happens when you die? And he gave me some reading material on the actual physical process of putrefaction. Uh, <laughs> and that's just when a kind of four. Yeah, when I was, I, yeah, I was I was an early reader. Uh, so <laughs> this was the environment that that, you know, I, I, I kind of grew up on. And I was very I was always, you know, very independent and how I approach things intellectually. And that, that's kind of, you know, how I ended up into my job. It's just, I kind of explored something and one thing led to another. Uh, but there's, you know, there's downsides to that kind of thing is that I am kind of undisciplined. Uh, I, I can be a little unfocused, a little difficult mm-hmm. to pin down to something. Uh, and if something doesn't like interest me intellectually, I have like an almost, you know, a stubborn inability to do anything about it like getting me to do paperwork of any kind and, I, and I, even realizing it, it's, 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 it's just like a, it's like a nightmare. I always do like, you know, taxes at the last minute. I, uh, when I, when I started working for ESPN back in 2010, they had to get on me cause I kept forgetting to give them like my bank account information so that they could pay me because <laughs> it was just like a whole paperwork thing I had to deal with. And I just didn't want, I just yeah. wasn't interested. And so it took them like three months to start paying me because I didn't give them any information. <laughs> I, uh, we refinanced our house in the pandemic and I have the same mental block where I'm like, luckily the mortgage company and the way it is right now because of COVID there's like, you can get like a, what do they call it? Like an appraisal waiver. Cause I'm like, ugh, I got to schedule an appraiser to come in. And then like, what if they don't, you know, what, what if they appraise our house low or like, do they care if we have dishes in the sink? And then there's all this paperwork, and they just did it all for us, basically. Appraisal waiver, the mortgage company did it all for us. And if they hadn't, we would have never refinanced. I would rather pay an extra like $100,000 on our mortgage than possibly um, <laughs> yeah. have to deal with all that stuff. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, can, uh, I can identify with that pretty closely. I also think we're at this point in the world where like there's an imbalance between how much information people have and how strong their opinion is on something. So like I kind of I think what you're describing is actually like you it's not really undisciplined or lazy. It's like you just aren't going to like pretend like you have a passion for some shit you don't have a passion for, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and that's and so, you know, growing up in this family, I kind of, you know, grew up with an obsession for information. And again, that's how I got the sabermetrics. I was interested in it. My grandfather gave me lots to read. He was an old Yankees fan. I, of course, didn't grow up a Yankees fan because I'm from Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but much worse. Decision. It, yeah. And my, 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 my really just really generations of my family just have kind of, you know, handed down from parent to child kind of an obsession with knowledge over anything else. Because in my family, it was never, you know, the goal was never to be wealthy or successful or nice or to have a big, you know, family life. Or nice. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I, I know it sounds awful, but nobody really cared about, you know, being nice and stuff. It was all about 
who has the most knowledge. So people are always fascinated when they're like with my family arguing because we'll argue over like small intellectual points and like argue about it to the death. I once one of our Thanksgivings once got like paused because my sister and I were arguing about the result of an Encyclopedia Brown mystery that we had each read 25 years before. And wow. we had to argue about that and find it. And I had to actually order the book online before we could continue. You had, to, you had Thanksgiving in early December because you had to wait for it to be delivered. <laughs> you... <laughs> it, so, so that's kind of the environment I grew up on. And it kind of shaped me as a person because I, 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 I'm obsessed with not like obtaining knowledge of everything else. And that's why I have the job I am. That's why I'm always tinkering and, and, you know, working with models because they answer my questions. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that, that's what I most want. Uh, but it can be, it can be kind of obnoxious sometimes because then my priorities for other things are much, much lower. Yeah. I mean, I think being aware of that is at least good. Right. Because yeah, I have a little bit of the, like, um, I'm very lucky that my wife is tolerant of the stuff that I am like horrible at because I know it sounds stupid and misogynistic to say like I'm bad at folding laundry. I'm not saying she has to be the one that folds laundry. We could just wear wrinkled clothes. Like I'm 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 like (laughs) me and folding laundry. Most of my clothes are de facto stored in my laundry room. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> they're, and a they're lot of stored t- in your dryer. <laughs> yeah, a lot of there are. There's like always like a permanent set of clothes like in the dryer because I just take clothes from the dryer and I wear them, and the new wash comes in and it gets added to the dryer. Uh, it's it's like what my grandfather used to do with coffee. Uh, he he lived to be uh, 96. By the way, I am terrified. I'm drinking coffee right now. I'm terrified I'll never be able to drink coffee again by the end of this story. <laughs> well, he he made what was the strongest coffee in the world, and I'll tell you why it was the strongest coffee in the world. He he never ever cleaned out the coffee pot or the coffee maker. When he was done with the coffee, he'd pour the remaining coffee into the water reservoir. Sure. Permanently. So this this coffee was kind of forever coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was that like a yeast was, starter. Yeah, it was continually brewed and rebrewed forever. So there were like some like probably droplets of coffee that would be, you know, go through like 20 times. So his coffee always tasted like, you know, like black as the heat death of the universe. But uh, he, he didn't care. Uh, he used to, you know, he just he just wanted to make sure he had something to dip like donuts in as long as he had that and he had black coffee and something to dip his donuts in once i was at his house he was like 94 95 he never really got to the point where he was like really senile or anything mm-hmm. uh, he he had you know just a glass of beer and he's dipping his donut in beer wow. and i'm saying opa you're dipping your donut in beer and he looks at it, he he shrugs and says it's moisture and he just keeps doing it wow i think uh you know saris is rolling over in his bed right now i assume he's not awake yet oh i i i i miss you know i haven't seen him since the winter meetings in 2018 i talked Late to him 2018 i talked to him a couple months ago um in what felt like close to the end of the pandemic and then we're still in it so uh so i i should check back in with him now i've never asked him did you ever i is he is he named after brian eno 
I've never asked that question, but I, I, I ask people when they bring up Eno if they know because I have no idea. Let's see, and I and I keep forgetting to ask him. Uh, so That's I've always question. wondered. He is well. C- could he be? When when would when did Brian Emo come to or Eno come to fame? Well, he was in the seventies, and okay. I mean Eno's not. I I think we're about the same age. I was born in nineteen seventy eight. Uh, yeah. I'd bet that I'd bet you're close to the same age. What does that make you? Are you you're 40? I'm 42. I'll be 43 uh, in June. Yeah, that's you're probably you're probably right about the same age. I know his his mom is German. I know that much about him, and I don't know how that factors into this uh, this uh, question at all. But uh, I also, by the way, I think he's got like several. He's one of these guys, like how you you'll like a a Latin American baseball player that like he's got these two names that he uses, but there's also like four other like middle names or additional last names that aren't uh, included in, his, in the name that he uses for business, you know? Oh, so, so he, he's got like one of those, uh, like one of those, you know, those long Mozart names where they have like 15 middle names or. Yes, exactly. Exactly that. I think he's, uh, I think he's, because I asked him a question and I was like, I said, how do you pronounce your name? And he's like, oh, I don't know. And I was like, what? You know, you know, you know, you know, as like, by the way, I say, you know, Saris. I think I've heard everyone else say, you know, and I think if I recall, he told me Saris and Saris are both right, which seems unlikely, but I always said Saris, but I guess. Yeah. um, I didn't realize this was going to become uh, mostly about Eno you know, you know, slash Sarah slash Sarah. Yeah, it's, it's going to be weird if I find out like his legal name's like Wilhelm Gutenheimer. And it's like it's like hey, that's you're just Eno. That's that's weird. Yeah, it's weird that Eno's short for Wilhelm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I don't I don't have uh, a an um an, a none. I don't have I don't have a an, a, a working name. I'm just my name. I. If I sure. if I did have you know an eponym, I would uh, use something that's easier to spell. <laughs> I know. By the way, I had to look it up uh, multiple times today while I was while I was uh, doing some preparation, which we haven't even encount. We haven't even gotten to my preparation yet. You're you're like uh, you're like Woody from the. I just, you just pull a string on your back, and it's I. I uh... Yeah, when uh, my my god my godmother uh, when I was a child dubbed me constant comment. I used to, uh, well, as a kid, you know, I used to walk around with a radio and I recorded my, my little radio show, I called it. And I was like four and I, I would interview people. I would do commercial breaks and That's do awesome. sponsored ads for like Puppy Chow and, and Chuck Wagon. Uh, and, and my, uh, my godmother just dubbed me constant comment because I kind of, again, I was a weird child. I would just have snarky comments about everything as like a little kid mm-hmm. uh i kind of feel bad but i was i was a real dick as like a kindergartner because <laughs> because of the family i grew up in my knowledge level was a little higher than other kindergartners so i kind of used it to psychologically torment them because i knew that santa claus didn't real uh mm. i knew what happened when you die uh, i knew how babies were made and i i did kind of torment the other children a bit Tell me what you think about this. I've had this discussion with a couple people, and I, I know you're not a parent, so I'm letting I'm letting you weigh in on something. I'm, I'm giving you a lot of power in my life, so I hope that this <laughs> manipulative streak ended in kindergarten. Uh, 
my when I so we've we've basically abandoned this, but my initial plan when our daughter was born was to only show her like TV and screens if it was something kind of educational. So I thought like I'll put nature documentaries and science documentaries and stuff on in the background. And when we when our daughter was born, Planet Earth was on Netflix, and then it stopped being on Netflix. It's I don't think it's on any streaming service now. Um, but it was replaced by Our Planet, which is another David Attenborough narrated nature documentary. However, in the years between Planet Earth two, Our Planet, the tone of these documentaries changed quite a bit. It went from stuff about nature to a global warming propaganda film, basically. Uh, not that I'm a global warming denier or a, a climate change uh, propaganda film. But I think that I asked a friend of mine who has kids, by the way. I was like, I don't know if I want to let my daughters. I don't know what age is right, but I don't think zero years old is the time to introduce existential dread into a child's life. It, it, it kind of always bothers me when, when people have like their like a four and five year olds being very political. Yes. Uh, my mom once commented on that, that she, that she hates when she sees kids that have the exact same opinions as everything on their parents. And she said that if you had grown up with all the same opinions as me, I would have considered like myself a failure. Sure. If if that had happened, um, I I really have no parenting advice because I don't have kids and I probably shouldn't give advice for things I have no idea about. Well, I'm going to do whatever you say, Dan. So oh God! Exactly what you say is what I'm going to do. Well, unfortunately, I'm just just saying the way I was raised, I was just kind of let to explore what interested me. Sure. No matter how inappropriate or 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 troublesome. That's just the way I was raised. I don't know if that is appropriate for everyone. I think it depends kind of on the temperament of the kid. Sure. Uh, I, I didn't have, I didn't have a lot of rules growing up. Like I didn't have a curfew. I didn't have any. Interesting. But that's just because it worked for me. I think. It's but, interesting that you grew up without a curfew, and then just stay at home as an adult. Yeah, I did. All, I did all the partying. I mean, I, my my grandfather was buying us beer by the time I was like twelve, and we always grew up around drinking as a thing so being drinking years old dipping donuts in my beer <laughs> hammered no but even even younger than that like my, my grandparents uh my grandfather would uh keep uh rum rums uh not not rum brandy soaked raspberries in his cellar every year and for the christmas party he'd bring up the the brandy soaked raspberries and put them in a giant punch bowl with with lots of bottles of champagne uh, on top of it and we all drank that as little kids uh and it was it was pretty alcoholic and we grew up around alcohol and drinking was never a big deal and as such i mean my sister and i neither of us ever really became big drinkers because it was it just seemed as weird as being like a binge french fry eater because we always we always had alcohol we always had french fries let me say, uh, for the parents out there that are considering using <laughs> this as a guide, that I yeah. don't think giving your adolescent child alcohol always has the outcome that yours. Yeah, please. <laughs> Dan Zaborski and Dan Zaborski Productions does, <laughs> does not endorse any particular cause of action arriving from any advice that I might give at some point ever. <laughs> uh <laughs> All right. We should talk about baseball before I run out of time with you. Uh, Well, I have till four, so we still still have plenty of time. 
All right. Uh, so 2020 for for your time or for my time? Are we doing five hours? No, oh, uh, oh, no. I ha- for my time. I have a, a four o'clock. Um, I mean, you... I could talk for that long, but <laughs> one people would stop listening at that point because there's a limit of how much you can listen to me sure. without saying, "Oh God." The Samborski ever shut up. <laughs> I, I'm actually kind of curious. How much baseball do you actually watch? And I and I mean that not in the like. I, people get very critical of sabermetrics folks about like caring more about the data than the the actual game. I tend. I actually really love consuming a season through data instead of trying to, uh, with some religious fervor, watch every single game. No, I, I I I have three TVs in my office, and they're always when when there's baseball on, and I'm not on the radio or something. There's always baseball on the TVs. Okay. Now I don't really watch, I guess, individual games in the traditional way. I go between the games that interest me the most, and at times interest me the most. Mm-hmm. I'm I mean I'm from Baltimore, so I grew up an Orioles fan, and I always have kind of a a, a warm spot for the team. But I don't sit there and just, you know, watch Orioles games or something from like mm-hmm. start to finish. I, I watch, you know, oh, this game is interesting. It's five to five in the sixth. I'll I'll turn over to that one. So I watch a lot of games, but they're all kind of like in fragments. Mm-hmm. I I as I as I hear about your day and how much gaming you do and the way that you consume baseball, I have to wonder, uh, how does your girlfriend handle all this? She just kind of just avoids, I think, the conversation. <laughs> She's used to me at this point. Uh, oh, God. Hopefully this story will never get back to her. I mean, I've, I've mentioned it a few times, but she only has a vague idea of what I do. <laughs> she knows I write about baseball, but she has no interest in baseball. Sure. At all. Whatsoever. Or any sport. Mm-hmm. It's just something that I do for a living to her. Um and some years ago, she asked me, like, to try to explain her job, and she had she had seen Moneyball, the movie. Mm-hmm. And I said, like, the kind of stuff that Jonah Hill's character does, those are the kind of things I do. Uh, I, I never, I've never worked full-time for a team. I have no interest in that, but I've consulted a lot over the years. I've sold a lot of data, and I still sell data. Uh, and so I explained that, and I thought that would put an end to it. Well, she got confused about that. And she thought that Jonah Hill was a was a composite of characters, which he was, but that one of the characters was based on me. <laughs> and I didn't realize that she thought that that's what I did. Oh, that's funny. And she told someone that I was in the Moneyball movie. And I didn't realize she did that. And she told me about that. Uh, we, were, we were at this bar in Baltimore called the Blue Pit. And I just start laughing. Because she's like, well, he looks sort of like you. And I'm like... <sighs> <laughs> and I'm just laughing, like no, no, that had nothing to do with any of that. Is it? And that, that, so that character was named Peter Brand, if I recall. Yeah, it was, it was kind like of positive, like AP Paul Riccardi. De Podesta and yeah, Paul De Podesta. Uh, some others. Uh, and the thing is, Paul De Podesta looks nothing like Jonah Hill at all. Sure. Uh, Paul De Depot De, De, De is was an excellent shape, but at least at the time, I don't know if he's if he's keeping up with that. I was uh, actually assuming the reason you're not on camera is because you're waiting to reveal a uh, COVID six pack that you. Oh no! I just I might see my my laptop camera stopped working, so I have to find where I put my 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 uh, streaming camera because I haven't really streamed in a while, 
Uh, so I, I moved it somewhere. you have an enormous body transformation. You're, uh, you had a carrot top, like <laughs> muscle build or muscle gain. Yeah, I, that, I, that I, didn't I, happen. There, there, <laughs> there was no increased exercise over the pandemic. <laughs> I actually, I think it's kind of charming that nothing changed in your life at all. The entire world shut down and you were like, oh shit, that's kind of, that's I weird. did eat, I have eaten a lot more DoorDash. Okay. But you see, I haven't gained weight despite all the DoorDash I'm eating, which kind of makes that I haven't put on weight. It, it indicates that my lifestyle was already fairly healthy before unhealthy before the <laughs> DoorDash. Healthy, I was ready to disagree. Yeah, pretty yeah, I, yeah. I did. I didn't want to mislead people, but um, so it's like, oh god, so so nothing. Something should have changed. I should be gaining weight, but I'm not. That does not. I that does not bode well for how many calories I was I was consuming with my cooking before. I, I, might, I might be using too much butter. You're the only person in the world who not gaining weight is an indictment of their <laughs> lifestyle. Wow. That's yeah, nice. I and it's weird because I'm less active than I was before physically, but I still haven't gained weight. So it's like I was really was I just really bad at exercising before? Was it just not doing anything? Is uh <sighs> well, you're also not you're not a guy that's like spending any time in a locker room probably, right? No, I have a gym membership. But mostly it's just I'm in a baseball locker room. <laughs> oh no. I mean I no, I mean I'm credentialed. I go into locker rooms, but I don't I'm not a beat writer. Sure. And one, I don't like taking attention away that beat writers need. Mm-hmm. Uh because it's just, it's it's the reason I didn't go to a single game last year. I still could get credentialed fairly easily because I do have my BBWA card. Uh but there were a limited number of slots. And by going to a game, it would it could take away from someone who does need to be there, a beat writer, a photographer, someone like that. And I, I, I wasn't going to do that to a colleague. It's one thing when they just let me in a stadium with no consequence and let me do my thing. But, you know, I didn't want to take away time. But it's, but it's the same thing with like a locker room. There's only so many people like a manager or a player can talk to. And for me, I'm I'm not getting a quote for a piece. I'm just shooting the shit. Uh, mm-hmm. with, with with people. I mean, I, I I text back and forth with people in baseball all the time. It's just I don't need to be there, and if I don't need to be there for something, I, I'm inclined to not you know take up someone's time. Sure. Is uh, is this well? I actually, how much of so you create the uh, the Zips projection system, but you're talking about selling data to teams, and my suspicion is. There is a level of data that you sell to the teams that you don't publish. Uh, well, I, I publish a lot of things, but it's more extensive what I have. And different teams want things specifically. And the thing is, if I only sell like you know certain things to certain teams, then that really does create kind of a conflict of interest. Because one of the, one of the restrictions that, that I have that I imposed myself in before I worked for ESPN is I can't give an advisory opinion. I can hit a button on my computer and give you what the computer says, but I cannot inject, you know, I can't tell you how to use things. I can't tell you what to do or how even to use the data outside of questions about the data itself. Uh, and, you know, I sell to every team at the identical price. I see. Because if I start giving some teams a cheaper price than others, then that, again, you know, creates a conflict of interest. So that's not very libertarian of you. Can I say that? <laughs> no, well, it's it's. I'm not, it's not that the government says I can't do that. It's just that oh, my know. personal ethics, and that's perfectly, uh, I would say that's perfectly in line. Um, 
because I do try to be, you know, an ethical journalist. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm pretty harsh on some of my comments, but I'm very rarely comment on players as people. I harshly criticize baseball moves and baseball actions. Uh, And I, 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 I think that a lot of people, a lot of journalists don't necessarily take, you know, the, the, the code of ethics very seriously. Uh, I, I see my role, you know, they say that a, that a good journalist uh, afflicts the comfortable and comforts the afflicted. Ooh, so that's good. That's good. I forget, I forget where I swiped that quote from, but it was someone else's quote, not mine. Uh, and so you don't see a lot of people think that I'm, I'm like just like a mean guy because I'm always commenting negatively, but it's like, I don't, my job is not to comment positively on what a team does. I'm a critic. I'm, I rip apart the things that suck and point them out. And that's, that's kind of like what I'm paid to do. I really like that. That's uh is it the, is it H is it HG Wells, Orson Wells, the, um, I can, never, those, those are probably very different people in the <laughs> world, but, uh, I, uh, it's like, it's a uh, God. It's like journalism is writing this, writing what they don't want you to write, and everything else is public relations or something. Yeah, like I, 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 I think that was was that Orwell? That wasn't Orwell, was George it? George Orwell. George Orwell, maybe. Yes, it might uh, be. It's it's one of those quotes that has been kind of passed around so often that it's hard to know who the source was originally because it's been you know attributed to different people. Yeah, it's uh, it's George Orwell. It's journalism is printing what someone else does not want printed. Everything else is public relations. Yeah, it, it that's a that's a good story. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, it's 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 a good quote, and it, it is yeah. it is effective because you want to be careful to not do PR essentially. Sure, absolutely. I think, and I mean, I I, I actually so I studied journalism, and that was a that was a part. Oh, of the so I'm just that. I'm just I'm so. So I am lecturing to someone who's more educated in journalism than I am. Oh no 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 no! I was I I, I I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is, is I uh, that wasn't my point at all. Uh, I, what I'm saying is is that I actually the reason I stopped wanting to be a journalist is because I don't think anyone's doing what you're doing. I don't think anyone. Or I mean, there's very. I think it's a rare journalist these days who has any incentive to remove themselves from the story do you know what i mean yeah i i I totally understand that uh and i i do believe i mean i have a pretty good it's you know it's always hard to gauge how you're perceived Mm -hmm. by other people it isn't like you can just go on and find out like the stats of how many people like you i think whatever people could say about me personality wise i think people would generally agree that i'm objective and i don't i don't let anybody off the hook yeah that's like that's why i always say that like uh it's really easy to be principled when the world agrees with your the results of your principles right yeah i one thing i do is like when i read things is i tend to try to read like like politics things i read things that disagree with me a lot more than things that agree with me uh because i don't see the value of an echo chamber in, in anything even for things i agree with yeah, I also think like before getting mad, this is what we were talking about at the very beginning, but before getting mad, you should at least like that's a big emotion for me to not do any research on, to just get mad without like without looking into it at all. Yeah, I one thing that I don't know if everyone gets about me is like when I'm 
when I'm going off on something on Twitter and like getting just mad, I'm not really mad, mad. I'm not really, you know, emotionally caught up in it. Uh, I get exasperated, but I, it's really hard to get me actually seriously mad about things. It's, it's, Mm. it's, I kind of take life. I don't want to say as a joke, but I kind of live for my, you know, knowledge and amusement, I guess. Well, I think the internet's made for that kind of nihilistic uh, approach where I think maybe in real life you're it's a, uh, there's a great quote where it's uh it's about comedy, which is what I care about now is a lot more than journalism, but it's uh it's way funnier to say fuck vanilla than it is to say, hey, you know, I kind of prefer vanilla to chocolate or <laughs> I prefer chocolate to vanilla, right? Like it's way more compelling to say, and on the, on Twitter, you don't really have the same, uh, I would say you're, you are not held to the same journalistic standards outside of commenting on baseball as like Dan Rather. And, uh, oh God, I would hope not. Yeah. If so, someone confuses me with Dan Rather, then they need to go <laughs> to the Oh God. <laughs> That's actually a symptom of COVID is uh, if you think Dan Zimborski is Dan Rather, it's a, uh, you please go get a, a vaccine or some, um, uh, get on a vent. You need, a, you need, you need a team of, of, of people. <laughs> You don't need you. You don't go with doctor. You have to go to your team at that point. <laughs> uh, how much more difficult is it this year creating the Zips projection system? With you have one limited data, but also, and I this and I, this is maybe a I know this is a, a Jeff Zimmerman um, lane, but I think I've been thinking a lot about how they the uh, pitchers are every pitcher. Is gonna has no pitcher in baseball through more than like eighty four innings last year. Oh, the making making the projections this year, running them is was a nightmare essentially, mm-hmm. uh, because you know projections are based off of empirical data. What happened before? There's no experimental data in baseball because you can't you know you can't play a season a million times in real life and 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 kind of experiment with with with, with control experiment. Uh, you have to. Everything we know about baseball is based on what happened in baseball before, mm-hmm. and determining like the proper weights for seasons and and playing time. Uh, the weights for seasons is probably the most difficult because I Zips tends to be fairly agnostic about the playing time. I let people figure out playing time, but you don't really know how much you're supposed to wait. Twenty twenty. Uh, I mean, I went back to do 1981, 1995 to kind of get an idea of kind of the best approach for weighing those shortened seasons. And the, the approach that worked the best was considering those seasons as, as being like unfinished and then filling out the seasons with the in-season projection at that point and then moving on from there. That approach worked the best, but I don't know if that works in a 60-game season, especially a 60-game season in which the playing conditions themselves were very odd because the the 81 and 94-95 shortened seasons were shortened seasons because of just labor issues when the games were actually played everything was normal but in 2020 not only was the season shortened i think that if it had just been a strike or something it would be a lot easier to deal with but it was like a completely new environment no fans weird divisions weird testing new rules Mm -hmm. spring training kind of truncated and and doubled and and to you so 
I have no idea if it is the best approach. Uh, normally, different stats weigh differently depending on recency. Like, you know, strikeout rate tends to change quicker than, say, singles rate or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as a whole, usually the most recent season makes roughly 40% of a player's overall projection. Uh, but estimating it this year, it's more like 20% based just on history and the number of games. But I don't actually know if that's right. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the best method for integrating 2020 stats with, with what happened previously, especially, you know, minor leaguers, because every there's no, there was no minor league season. And that makes projecting those guys even more challenging than normal. That's, uh, yeah, so, that's true. so someone says like, Dan, how are you compensating for, for 2020? I'm like, poorly. I'm sure if I had a publicist, they wouldn't really like me saying that answer. <laughs> like we're doing terribly. Uh, my consolation is that everyone else who does projections has the same problem I do. So sure. it doesn't feel so bad. Misery loves company. If you could go back, I was thinking about like comps and I think there's probably a, like the world war one, world war two seasons. Obviously the information isn't as relevant now. And the, the impact of those isn't necessarily relevant because a million technological advances have happened and and uh, the game is played differently now. But, and, I, and by the way, I think as a libertarian, you will agree, we would prefer not to have a war that takes yeah. several baseball players out of baseball for a Yeah, we, we do not prefer any wars or, you know, that that's not a good thing. Um, right. <laughs> the, the problem is that, I mean, that had a kind of a different problem from a baseball standpoint because not everybody went to war. So you had right. some players to compare to. Uh, I guess Bucky Walters would be one of them. You can see kind of gauge from the players who didn't go to war. I don't think Bucky Walters won the war. I'm 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 kind of just working from memory here. If if Bucky Walters went to war, I apologize to the Bucky Walters fan club out there. Uh, but then <laughs> you you, the president. you have a basis for comparing that the how the players. You could say how the players who stayed did relative to projections that assumed no war. You you could get kind of an estimate of the of of the, of the level of play, the strength of you know, the opposition, and the offensive levels. Uh, but you can't do that here because there's nothing to compare it to. There was just no baseball; it was just gone. Uh, Maybe, perhaps, I think next year or in future years there may be a like player who opted out. Versus, I mean, because those are and those are going to be rare. That might be too small of a data set, but the the that'll be interesting to see the effects of opting out for a full season versus uh, just playing the abbreviated season. I kind of feel as it kind of gets the Colorado Rock Colorado Rockies off the hook because Ian Desmond has is opting out for two years now. Oh yeah, and they haven't had to pay him. That's yeah. That's like Robinson I, Cano doing steroids. I think they might be putting steroids into his team meals. Yeah, I think that the Rockies should still have to pay, but it like goes to charity or something. <laughs> um, all right, I don't want to take up uh, too much more of your time, but uh... <laughs> you think my time's valuable. <laughs> well, I guess I guess if you could quantify. So this is a uh, my day job is kind of in this in this space. Also, if you had gun to your head, had to quantify the level of variance in a 
that you would expect in a normal season variance between actual results and zips. And I know, like you said, zips is mostly on a, on a rate basis um, versus the variance of 2021 zips projections. How different are those variances? I think that in the end, the results are going to be worse, but I don't think they're going to be dramatically worse. Okay. I think we may see a few players with extreme differences. Uh, I think one of the, I think maybe the COVID people will be kind of more difficult because there seems to be a large range of reaction to COVID. Uh, like people that like, actually contract. Yeah. COVID. Like, like Mankata with the White Sox, he talked constantly about being constantly fatigued during the rest of the season. Uh, but someone like Freddie Freeman, he had symptoms from COVID and he won the MVP award. Sure. So, I mean, and you're seeing that, of course, with, with just the medical effects of, of COVID. You see people who, you know, just it's nothing. They they don't even get symptoms. And then, you know, the people that get, you know, heart failure and their lungs collapse and they're on ventilators. Right. Even even accounting for the difference in uh, pre-existing conditions. Uh, so I, I do kind of wonder about that. And it'll be interesting to see because just from an intellectual standpoint, it's curious to see if there'll be any difference in, in COVID diagnosed players. Cause we still don't really know what the long-term consequences, if anything are like yeah. three years from COVID does, does the average person with symptomatic COVID have, I don't know, like a 5% decrease in lung capacity questions like that. I mean, we're not gonna be able to answer for a while. Yeah. Uh, hopefully we'll be answering those questions, not like COVID 21 or something. <laughs> I uh I do appreciate this uh this by the way and this is like what I love about sabermetrics and I gotta let you I do have to let you go I I understand that but what I love about data and folks like you is being able to have an emotionless thought experiment like how much worse of a baseball player will having symptomatic COVID uh make somebody I think that's like a I'm so interested in that. Now that you said it, but I feel like there's like a there's a segment of the world where they'd be like, "You bastard for thinking that's important at all." Yeah, I as I said, I like questions, and I like trying to answer questions I have. 